Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Thank Instagram. you for the nice weather. Am I really in Scotland? This is great, huh? Yeah, good. September, wow, here we go. We were saying in the back, like, the year can go like that now. And we're on, we're on the fast track. How many know we're speeding towards eternity? Does that sound good? Come on, some of you older folks, it sounds really good if you're like, yeah, I'm ready, let's go, let's get there, but not till we're done with our assignment here. It's good to be with you, great things are happening in the earth, and uh, it's good to be, I'll be in Scotland this whole ne- next week, and God's on the move, I've been in six or seven countries already this year, I still have to go to Asia yet in October, and I just have this sense, my pastor said it this way at the beginning of the year, we feel like when we turn the corner into 2023... The wind shifted from being in our face to come around. It's at our back. The wind is at our back, church. The wind of God is moving. It's, it's pushing us almost like we're, where we're not sure where we're supposed to go. But the wind of God is moving. So there's things happening in the earth. And we want to get into some of the word tonight. And I want to talk about kind of um, some, some of the barriers that we're going to be facing to keep building in these last times. Now, there's some dangers out there, but as the church, and I love what Pastor was uh, getting up and exhorting us, you know what, we can do it. The songs we were singing, you know what, it doesn't matter. We fight the good fight of faith. You know, we're in a fight, everybody, right? We serve on a battleship, not a cruise line. If you want to cruise for Jesus, you're probably at the wrong place. Take up your arms and fight. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 49 tonight. Um, do you have Bibles? Do you know what these, if you're under 25, this is a Bible. It's a, like a book with pages and everything. It's pretty cool. But you might want to swipe to Genesis 49 at the end of the first book of the Bible. And I'm going to look at some kind of prophetic purposes that are right here at the end of the book of Genesis. And I'm going to look and zero in at first on Jacob's prophecy, the prophecy of Jacob. Jacob gathers all of his sons together. And you know, the 12 tribes of, of Israel were representative of the church. It was called the church in the wilderness in uh, Acts chapter 7. Even the book of James starts out to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. So there's this prototype shadow of the church. And so we have Jacob gathering his sons together. Genesis 49.1, he says, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. When we gather, church... We have a God that talks. We have a God that knows what's coming. That's called the Holy Spirit insight. We know what's coming. And we have to have ears to hear. Say, God, what are you saying to us? Show us things to come. Are you hungry for that? We call it a prophetic night or whatever. But you know what? We can say we are the strangest people on the planet that can actually say, show us what's to come. And he says, I will deliver. (laughs) That's my job. So we are a unique people. But the Bible also says to to whom much is given... Okay, three people know the rest of that. The rest of you are cowards. I don't want to say the Yes, to whom much is given, much is required. So here, Jacob is gathering his sons, and he's prophesying to the 12 tribes of Israel. He's prophesying to his sons things to come. And he speaks kind of blessings, but also cursings. Interesting. And so I want to hone in on verse 22, because we get to the 
son called Joseph. And I, I want to say tonight to you, this is just my rendition of it. I think the Joseph tribe is kind of a prototype of the end time church. We're looking at the way, the way he uniquely speaks to Joseph. And we know that Joseph in his story in Genesis often it depicts the life of Jesus. And we see a lot of symbolism there. But watch how Jacob particularly speaks blessing over Joseph. I believe he's a prototype of the end time church. Chapter 49, verse 22. He says this, Joseph is a fruitful bough. Come on. We're called to be fruitful. A fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him and shot at him and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, and blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who, watch, was set apart from his brothers. Notice the Joseph tribe, the tribe of Joseph. Joseph was set apart from his brothers. And you know the story of Joseph. It wasn't his choice either. (laughs) He was set apart by God from the rest of the tribes. The Joseph tribe. Let's look at some of the characteristics. If we're going to say, God, what's the end time church going to look like? Let's go back to verse 22. It says, first of all, Joseph is a fruitful bough. God says, I want my church fruitful all the way to the end, bringing in the great harvest. A fruitful bough, ah, by a spring. If you want to stay fruitful in this day and hour, you better be by the spring. You better be by the water of the word. You got to keep the water of the word coming, right? You'll never be fruitful unless you stay by the well. So you've got to stay plugged in, stay watered with the water of the word. Because watch, if you're well watered and you grow, your branches will what? What's the destiny? Go out over the wall. We are in some of the most amazing times to do missions. We need to be mission-minded. We need to say, we got to not just grow nice branches. Oh, look at, our, look at our beautiful, fruitful branches. Aren't we a nice, fruitful, nice church? And every time our branches start to go over the wall, we just trim them back. <laughs> no. No, we're called to go out over the wall. The nations are hungry. The nations are needy. The nations are ready for the gospel like never before. So Joseph has branches that run over the wall, called to be missional. And look at verse 23. What happens when you become fruitful? What happens when you grow and get watered? What happens when you start doing mission? You plant churches and you go to the nations. The devil attacks you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the church. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Welcome to the church. Come on. Like I said, we're on a battleship, not a cruise ship. A growing church, an end-time church, becomes a target. How many of the churches under amazing fire right now? I've had the privilege of, of working in China for years. We don't go there anymore right now. It is not good. But for years we went in, and I'll tell you what, the underground church in China is under massive persecution. In March of this year, they declared anybody part of the underground church is part of a cult. You know what that means? If they find out you're in the underground church, they can arrest you and put you in jail just for being part of a cult. 
the pressure is on. Things are happening. Persecution. Guess what? The church thrives in persecution. We don't like that. We say, that's good for the rest of the world. Just don't let it come to Scotland. Right? It's like, we would just like to say, y'all can have it. I'm from North Carolina. Y'all can have that. We're just going to have a nice, peaceable church. But a Joseph church becomes a target for the enemy. It gets shot at. So what? Just be prepared. Be prepared. You've got a shield. Use it. Come on, everybody. The shield of faith, what? It quenches the fiery darts of the wicked one. And exactly what Pastor Michael was saying. Some of you are getting fiery darts. And you know where they come? They don't come on the outside. They come on the inside. The devil fires darts against your mind and false accusations and all those things. That's his job. He's the accuser of the brethren. And so be prepared. Be be prepared to be a target of his attack. And don't whine and complain and run and hide. Here's what happens. What do you do? Watch this. You become the warrior people that the end time church is called to be. Verse 24, yet his bow remained unmoved. See, the enemy wants you to drop your bow and run. (laughs) Ah, the devil's after me. He says, no, his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. You're not fighting alone. What do we sing tonight? So when I fight. What do you, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Why? My hands are held high by the mighty one of Jacob. God is holding your hand up in the way. Don't get too impressed with yourself. It's by the mighty hand of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you. God's going to help us in our warfare. I'm so glad for that. Verse 25. It continues on. Characteristics of the end time church will be a church that is blessed, but I'm not just talking about financial prosperity and we're rich and they're poor. It's a a people that got conditions for blessing. He's conditioning you for the right kind of blessing and watch the types of blessings. We start with heavenly blessings. We're the only people on the planet that can actually receive heavenly blessings. No one else has the capacity. Nobody else has the connection. Nobody else has the bandwidth for it. We are conditioned for blessing. That's why Joseph was being set up here by his father. He was being prophesied to get ready to receive by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings from heaven above. Then blessings of the deep that crouch beneath, earthly blessings. Blessings of the deep that crouch beneath. There's blessings in the earth reserved for God's people but you've got to be conditioned. If you can't receive the blessings from heaven above, you won't be able to tap into the true blessings in the earth and the deep. And watch this. God loves families. God loves children. How many know there's an attack on the family? There's an attack on children. Why? Because God created them. Watch this. Blessings of the breasts in the womb. That's under attack, everybody. That little baby in the womb is under attack. All those attacks come from the enemy. And yet God says, I'm going to bless the womb, and I'm going to bless the breast. I'm going to bless the family. I'm going to bless reproduction in the earth, because that was my intention from Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God's never had to change his mind. And God never goes, oops, I made a mistake. (laughs) Let's regroup. Blessings. You know, there was a pattern of Jacob. Jacob himself had to wrestle for the blessing. Sometimes you got to wrestle for the blessings of God. Remember, he, the angel came and he wrestled with that angel. And he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. He wasn't talking about fill up my bank account. He knew that there was a blessing that came from God and God alone. 
And that's going to be the hallmark of the end time church. I don't know, there's something about those people. They walk in some kind of a blessing. They may not even use that nice religious word. They might say something about favors on them. I believe there's favor on this church. I'm going to get prophetic in and out of this, if that's okay, with permission. I believe there's favor upon your church in this season to get things. How many know God says you need things? How many know God owns all the things? He owns all the stuff. It's like monopoly money, and it's just like plastic toys to him. But he says, my kids need them. My kids need things. This morning we were preaching a gateway about asking God, and I mean asking God, seriously asking him for things. God knows you have needs. And I believe the blessing of God is on you to ask for what you need to carry out mission. You think it's going to go, no, I'm not going to give you that, but oh, mission. (laughs) Oh, reach your community, I'm in. God's all in. So here's this thing about blessing. Sometimes you got to wrestle for the blessing. And you know what part of the wrestling was? Identity. See, Jacob had to wrestle with God not only for the blessing, but God was after something more than just giving him a blessing. He was out to change his identity. And the devil hates that. That's part of the wrestling. It's part of the warfare. You're not who you say you are. What do you think you are? You can't do this. You can't do that. We say, you know what? I'm the blessed of God. (laughs) I'm his child. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. We're the church, for crying out loud. (laughs) We're We're the apple of his eye. And you begin to realize who your identity is. Then you boldly ask God for the things that you need to get the mission done. So what are some of the barriers here? What are some of the things that we have to guard against? What are some of the dangers? And looking at the life of Joseph, I think one of the dangers is this, letting the hurts and the offenses of your past block what God wants to do in the future. That's a big barrier. And the devil knows that. And the devil will work that and work that He'll work past hurts. He'll remind you. He'll, he'll relentlessly continue to remind you of your past, your mistakes. He'll want you to walk in bitterness. He'll want you to stir up those offenses because that's the only thing he's really got to work with. And that can become a barrier to building what God wants to build in the end times. I want to give you a quick commentary out of the psalmist. The psalmist gave us a commentary about Joseph's life in Psalm 105. Psalm 105. In verse 16, Psalm 105, verse 16, here's the psalmist's commentary on the life of Joseph and this whole very idea of what Joseph had to go through in his testing. Psalm 105, verse 16, it says, When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread... Wait a minute. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. I have a friend that said, so when God summons a famine, who do you pray to? Stephen? <laughs> when God summons a famine. How many, how many have ever been successfully uh, or had any measure of success in changing God's mind? Anybody, anybody have any success? We want you to come up and lay hands on all of us. <laughs> God summoned a famine. Oh. God summoned a famine on the land and broke the supply of bread. Why did that happen? To get Israel down to Egypt. It's all part of his plan of redemption, but God, sometimes God does some strange things. God summons a famine, breaks the supply of bread. When God did that, it says, he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph. Now, how did he send him ahead? In a prison train. 
<laughs> from pit to the prison. He got him down into Egypt. He sent him ahead of time. You think, that was God's plan? Oh, that was God's plan all along. Isn't that an amazing story? It's an amazing story. He sent a man ahead of them. Who? The whole nation of Israel. He sent him ahead, what? To take care of the famine. Watch. Who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. His neck, nephesh in the Hebrew, which literally is translated his soul. It wasn't so much of his body that was put into prison. Joseph's soul was put into prison. Sometimes it's the prison of our own soul that brings us the most torment. He was tormented. The pain, the mind, the will, the emotion says he came into iron. He came into limitation. He was stuck. He couldn't, he couldn't move. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. He was immobilized. Did you feel like that during COVID? I won't get too pushy here, but if God can send a famine, God can send anything he wants to the planet Earth because he's sovereign. Every now and then the church needs a little dose of the sovereignty of God. That he really is in control of everything. Say everything. everything. It's everything. Otherwise, he's not almighty over all. He's just mighty. I don't want just mighty. I want almighty God. The mighty one of Israel. I love those terms. That says, my God is in control of famines and pestilence and even pandemics. God's in control because he's up to something we don't always see. Yeah. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Yes. You just sang it. Do you believe it? Even when I don't feel it, Joseph, my neck is in iron. I'm a prisoner. Yeah, but God's working. I've sent you ahead, Joseph, because I'm preparing a whole system that's going to crush Egypt and set my people free. See, God has the plan of redemption for you, for me, and it started all the way back in the beginning. We just have to cooperate with history. And so we're getting a history lesson here. His neck was put in a collar of iron until, watch, What he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. He said, I want a word from God. Okay, Joseph, here's the word. You're going to be successful. Um, You're every teenager's dream prophecy. Your brothers and sisters are going to bow down and worship you. Every teenager says, I want that one. Oh, and on top of that, so will your parents. Okay, I'm in. I want that prophecy. How many want that prophecy tonight, you young people? I want a prophecy. Everybody's going to bow down and worship me. And they said, now... Now we're going to test you. Now the word is going to test you and test you and test you until I finish the work in you that I want. He had to do the work in Joseph to get him ready for the redemptive hand of God to come. And when Joseph finally saw (laughs) at the end his brothers come in, how many of the prophetic just doesn't help you see the future? It helps you interpret the past. That was the moment that prophetically Joseph had... Now I see it. That which was meant for evil. Come on. God meant it for good. The prophetic helps you interpret your past, not just see the future. So Joseph went through this terrible experience of betrayal and imprisonment and false accusation and all these things. And it's interesting, when Joseph finally had a child of his own, his firstborn child... He and his wife were having a conversation. What do you think you should name him? Ah, let's go for one of the Old Testament people. How about Adam? Moses. I don't know. He's not there yet. Okay, we better back up. I'm kidding. I'm just toying. Come on, parents. You all have that. What should we name him? I don't know. How about after your father? How about after your grandfather? 
And he goes, I know. We're going to name him Manasseh. Manasseh? Who names their kid Manasseh? What are you going to call him? We can call him Manny, I guess, but Manasseh? Why Manasseh? Because the name Manasseh means forgetfulness. Joseph named his firstborn child forgetfulness. Why? I want a living reminder of my heritage to forget what happened in my past. I choose to forgive my brothers. I will not let unforgiveness and bitterness stop the plan of God. So he named his firstborn son Manasseh. He wanted a living reminder, if I'm going to go forward, I've got to continually forget the hurts of the past. In the New Testament, I think this is amazing. 1 Peter 3.9 says, bless those that curse you. How many have that on your refrigerator, on your bathroom mirror? Bless those that curse you. You should probably put it in your car. Anyway, (laughs) bless those that cut you off in traffic. That's a powerful tool in the mouth of a Christian believer. The power of blessing. See, this is why this is so important, why Jacob gathered his sons and he blessed them. The power to bless. Bless those that curse you. Hmm, how does that work? Do you know, when you get offended, somebody offends you, it hurts. It's hurtful. People offend us. They say words. They they do things against us. And there's pain involved in that. And, of course, the Bible says you have to forgive. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Okay, I got that down. I forgive you with a scowl on your face. Okay, I have to. I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to forget it, right? Oh, we're good at that. The problem with just forgiving, it just stops the actual action that brought the pain. It stops. It cuts off. Okay, I forgive you. That, that action can't come at me anymore. But you know what? There's still pain there. It stops the action, but it doesn't bring healing. Do you know what brings healing? Blessing. That's when things begin to turn. See, you turn a more powerful force back against the enemy, back against the pain, back against the offense and the hurt, and you drive it back with what? The power of blessing. I bless that person. It's not like I forgive you. I forgive you. Leave me. Don't ever talk to me again. I'm unfriending you on social media. Don't ever talk to me again. Yes, I forgive you. Yes. But now can you bless them? Can you bless those that curse you? See, the power of blessing. Father, I forgive and I bless them in Jesus' name. I bless them with faith. I bless them in love. You go, how many times you got to do that? You got to do it until it feels better. You might have to do it for a month or a year. But see, the enemy is like Pastor was saying, when the enemy wants to come and say, well, you know, they're going to do it again. You can't trust them. And yes, that's true. But you know what? You don't, have to, you don't have to hang out with them. But you know what? You can speak blessing. Bless those that curse you. The power, and that turns the spiritual forces in the other direction. And you release something that comes from God. The enemy releases something that comes from him, the hurt, the offense. You turn that around and you release the power of the Holy Spirit. Bless, just like Jacob did. I bless you. I'm a church of blessing. We're the end time church. We bless those that curse us. A second barrier to building in the last days, I think, for the end time church is not stretching our faith out for new vision. We have to keep stretching our faith out for new vision. Philippians chapter 3, Paul makes a, I love the way Paul languages this for us. In Philippians chapter 3, 
This whole section is really good. I'll just read this part. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, come on church, forgetting what lies behind, Paul said, and straining forward, that's an athletic term in the Greek, of a runner that's coming to the end, and the, tick, the line is there, and he's running, and he, he stretches forward. He stretches his chest forward to break through the tape and win the race. I press toward the mark, the King James says, for the prize of the upward calling Christ. We press toward that mark, skopos in the Greek. What, what are your eyes on? Put your eyes on the finish. Come on, we're a finishing church. God wants a finishing church. You ever heard the word finish come so clear in my spirit? The word finish is getting clearer, it's getting stronger, it's more frequent. There will be a finishing generation on this planet someday. And guess what? They may be on it right now. Might be your kids, might be your grandkids, but there will be a finishing generation that will finish it. And then he'll come. Does that excite you? Or are you just kind of biding time, like hurry up and when do I get to... It's like, I, I want to finish. I want to win for him. Right? What he did on the cross. I want to win the, the, the price of his suffering. So a finishing generation presses toward the mark. And you know what? You need fresh vision to do that. Because we live in such a crazy, fast-paced, moving time. Whoever thought we'd be doing what we're doing even three or four years ago. But here we are. <laughs> Reaching forth. Pressing toward the mark. Contending for it. What? Contending for the blessing. Yes. Contending for it. I love what uh, Bishop Benger said in years before. But he said this. He says, the eye outstrips and draws onward the hand and the hand the foot. See, it's all about vision. The eye outstrips and takes that which is just visual and then moves the hands which move the feet, pressing toward the scopos, the mark for the upward call in Christ. It's an upward call. We're going up. How many glad we're going up? How many glad you're not going down? Okay, we're going up. It's an upward call. Everything that you go through takes you higher. You might go through a downtime, but that downtime, like Joseph went through a downtime, but when he came out, he was higher. All right. A third thing. You guard against. A third thing that could be a a barrier to building a danger is not guarding against what we call spiritual apathy. And it is so easy in this day and hour. Spiritual apathy. I don't care. I don't know. I'm just going to stay home and watch online. That's okay to watch online. But stay connected to your spiritual family and do something about it, right? Stay connected, but stay in the family. Do your chores. Come on. You're in the family. you got chores to do. Come on. you got responsibilities. Joseph's second son, they had two sons. Manasseh was the first one, naming him Manasseh to forget the hurts and the offenses of the past. But the second son was Ephraim. Now, the word Ephraim means fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. So they named the second son as no matter what happened in the past, we're going to forget it. And what's coming ahead is going to be fruitful. Joseph is a fruitful bow, his father said. In fact, I want to even say it meant double fruitfulness. This whole thing about pressing. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. Let those who are mature think this way. And if anything might cause you to think otherwise, Paul said, God will reveal it to you. That's the prophetic. So this whole idea of the blessing 
We'll take you back to finish up where we started back in Genesis. I think this is such a cool part of this whole story. Because when you go back to Genesis 48, the chapter before, it's what's leading up to this blessing over Joseph. And it's what good old Grandpa Jacob had one more trick up his sleeve. He was a trickster. <laughs> he was a supplanter. He was a conniver. And though he was losing his sight, <laughs> he says, I got one more trick up my sleeve. And you know the story at the end of, or in Genesis chapter 48, verse 10, it says, Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to granddad for the blessing. What a granddad's blessing. So Joseph took them both, verse 13, Ephraim in his right hand and Israel, and towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right hand. So, um, I, see, I need, a two, I need two guys, you and you. Come on up here real quick. So here's, here's what happens. So you can kneel. This is really going to be a very, very religious moment. So kneel down. That's it. That, and you definitely have to kneel down. You're too tall. Okay, so he, he brings his sons, right? And so he brings Manasseh, who is the firstborn, to the right hand, because that's the right hand was the double portion, the double blessing, okay? And he brought Manasseh to the left hand, and so, <laughs> or uh, Ephraim to the left hand. And so old Jacob, though he's gone, now which one's which? And he goes, well, this is, this is your firstborn grandson right here. This is Manasseh. Okay, okay. And which one's this? This is Ephraim over here in the left hand. And I'll just paraphrase the story. <laughs> old Jacob gets up there and goes, watch this, boys. He goes like this. Switch your heads a little closer together. <laughs> Go like this. He goes, I bless you with the blessings of heaven above. And he starts speaking the blessing. And Joseph's sitting there going, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> He's putting the double portion blessing on Ephraim, the younger. He said, the younger is going to serve the older. The double portion is on the younger. Now, why did he do that? Dismissed, you are blessed in Jesus' name. Um, when Joseph saw in verse 17 that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim, his head to Manasseh's. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, father. This is the firstborn. This is the first. You got this all mixed up. But his father refused and said, watch this, verse 19. I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Church, my sense is this. If we're the prototype end-time church that the Bible helps mirror here, we're in such an amazing time, closer to the end times. Nobody predicts it perfectly, but how many sense like we're getting closer to something? And we are truly getting closer to the finish. There will be a finishing generation. As we get closer, then our eyes have to be on the future generation. And I really believe there's been some kind of a release this year upon the next generation. I believe God's hand has gone like this. And his hand is upon the next generation. His hand is upon the younger and they're actually going to have a double portion to get done what they have to do in this crazy generation. They are facing battles. They are facing attacks. They are facing things that some of us older ones never thought we'd have to face. With technology and all the other good stuff out there, it's a war zone out there. 
in public schools, in the public, in the public place. Ah, it's social media. Ah, it's a war zone. I mean, and so guess what? God says, I'm going to put a double portion of my anointing on this next generation because they're going to help move us to the finish. The blessing of God. We've seen a little signs of it this year even. As the wind shifted in 2023, we saw things like the Asbury Revival in America. But that wasn't limited to America. It's actually gone over many campuses in the United States and beyond. We see this movie called The Jesus Revolution, just a microcosm of a worldwide movement that took place and is still reverberating in the earth now. And we're seeing other things happening. There's a hunger in the earth. It's interesting, at the very end, I didn't quote it, but after he gets done blessing Joseph, there's one more verse before Genesis, uh, before Jacob's death. And it was over Benjamin. Remember, Joseph and Benjamin were from the same mother. And Benjamin was the younger. And watch this, Genesis 49, 27. Benjamin, he said, is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, devouring the prey, and in the evening, dividing the spoil. Wow, that'll preach. Let me just say, the word ravenous wolf means hungry. Benjamin, the youngest of them all, is hungry. This generation is hungry. We're seeing things happen in this generation. It's supernatural. A year ago, we've had a young adults ministry for a number of years. And it's always, we're a larger church, I understand, about 1,500. But we've had 40, 50 young adults gather once a month. A year ago, we got a new leader, and he just went for it. Started having once a month uh, gatherings, some worship, a short message, break them into some small groups for prayer, and then you feed them. Come on, young adults you got to feed them. We brought in a food truck. That was the best part of the meeting as far as they were concerned. But they loved to hang out. They were just hungry for fellowship connection. So we did that once a month. And in between, we said, go, get in a small group. Just pray for each other. Stay connected. And man, they're so good at social media. They're just connecting. They're texting. They're, they're hey, are you going to be there Tuesday? And we had two words we used, be inviting and be investing. Be inviting. They heard that so much. I'll give you a tip from pastors we get so tired of telling you the same thing. And that's when we finally get so tired and go, I am so tired of saying this vision over. You know what? That's just when you're getting it. So anyway, that was a tip. Um, <laughs> right, Pastor's like, how many times do I have to say this? They go, they're just getting it. Hang in there, Michael. They're just getting it. But we said, be inviting and be investing nine million times. But you know what? They started inviting. And then they would invest. They wouldn't just invite. They would invest time. I'll pray for you. Well, last year we started the first meeting in September a year ago with 60 young adults. And we'd say young adults 18 to 40. The next month it grew a little more, grew a little more. We turned the year. We broke 150. Doubled. March, 190. What? Our last meeting of the cycle was in May, 210. From September... All we did was what? Be inviting, be investing. Come hang out, build community. We love you. Here's free food. But anyway, there was, some, there was a hunger, a supernatural hunger in that generation. So they, they had the summer off, but they just had their new season uh, kickoff, young adults, last Tuesday night, 252 young adults. Now, come on. That's just like supernatural. Yeah. That can happen here. That's, don't, yeah, that's not just because, oh, you're in North Carolina, you got a big church. You know what? We have a big God, and they're still humans. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, Found Church, 
www.cloud.co.uk or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>